Today on the iSector Selections Podcast, we have iSector's Chief Executive Officer and Founder, Bern Semnick, along with iSector's Chief Investment Officer, Chuck Self. Bern and Chuck will be discussing when advisors should focus on income funds and how this issue has evolved into the new iSector's endowment allocation. This iSector Selections Podcast will be another candid discussion packed with information for investment advisors, and individual investors. Thanks, Jordan, and thanks, Vern, for coming back on the iSector Selection podcast. Vern and I will be uh, discussing why and when financial advisors should uh, focus on income funds. And uh, maybe you want to make some introductory comments, Vern. Sure. I know we want to discuss the current economic and market environment and um, how we've designed our endowment allocation um, to help investors uh, through the potentially difficult times that uh, might be coming. But uh, I also think it might be helpful for advisors um, just to think about some of the, well, traditional reasons that um, I think you and I have seen investors decide to use an investment uh, income strategy for uh, certain situations that um, are are pretty common. Uh, first of all, for example, the um, the name iSectors Endowment Portfolio or allocation implies uh, endowments. Endowments are, for those that are, are uh, unsophisticated in that word, the endowment, an endowment is a, a portfolio or a fund uh, money that is typically raised to support maybe a university or other educational institution, like a private high school will sometimes have a endowment fund, um, or nonprofits will often have endowment funds. And the the word endowment implies very very long term. I mean, to endow something for you know for years and years, you know, well after the lives of uh, you know all of us, and on and on. Uh, Harvard University, Yale University will have billions and billions of dollars in, quote, endowment portfolios. Well, a lot of these portfolios, because the strategy is, is long-term, is to preserve capital for the long-term to support a u- university or, or, or other nonprofit, their policies might be just, for example, might be just to spend the income and not spend the principal. Uh, and, and this attracts investors because they don't want to see their, their large contributions just go whoosh, you know, out the door on all kinds of debt payments and other things. They want to see their money or feel as though their money is going to be helpful for the long, long term on some of, for some of these entities. So by just having a policy of only spending income, the advisors uh, for that portfolio will look to develop a portfolio that produces quote, income, that's interest and dividends. And um, charities, uh, maybe a charitable remainder trust is another way. We often will see um, investors set up a charitable remainder trust. So, and what that is, is they intend to give the money in the long term to a particular charity. Uh, And a husband and wife might decide this, they like this charity for some reason. And there's some tax advantages. Maybe they'll sell a vacation home, and maybe they'll have 
half a million dollars in profits, that would normally be taxed, or maybe they'd sell a large piece of land or a farm. And rather than just flat out selling it and paying the tax, they could put it in a charitable remainder trust. And the idea would be they wouldn't have to pay the income taxes or on, the, on that because it's in effect, in the end, going to a charity. Um, but in the meantime, they need the money to live off of. So this will give them more money to live off of because they won't have the tax going out. But there again, because a lot of this money they want to go to the charity in the end or a certain amount, they'll set up a policy maybe of just spending you know, the income uh, that is developed from this portfolio. And their advisor uh, may then develop uh, a strategy or a portfolio that'll produce interest and dividends uh, for them. And um, that can be adjusted, you know, if they decide later they don't, then they can switch and develop, you know, invest the policy in a more uh, long-term tax-deferred approach and turn the income on later by changing the investments to more dividend approach. So we've also seen um, uh, marital trusts, same thing, uh, uh, policy in a marital trust may be, well, I want my wife just as, you know, I would like to have my wife just for the most part, spend the income that this portfolio develops, and I'd like to see the rest of these dollars go to my children. And we've had, I have personally had several clients that are retired that simply think in terms of buckets of money, and they'll have a particular bucket of money that, in their minds, they don't want to touch the principal, but they want to have all of the income off of the uh, portfolio. And they will literally instruct us or, you know, although it may not be my best approach to providing income uh, from a portfolio, they're, they're pretty comfortable with the concept of simply investing in things that produce income, have that income paid to them, and not, quote, touch the principal. So these are, these are some of the reasons why people might use this strategy. Um, it can also be very helpful in certain periods of the market, and that's kind of what we want to talk about. We've also tweaked this portfolio or adjusted this portfolio that produces income to uh, be appropriate for the current market environment as well, and I think Chuck can probably do the best job of talking about that. Well, and, and that's very true, Vern, is that uh, you know, most advisors think in terms of total return uh, and, and maybe some uh, clients do or some investors do, but um, often it's easier for uh, investors to, to think of buckets. Uh, and whether it's in a structured form, as you have put out there, or in uh, the, the form of just in their own account. They want to they spend income and have their principal be uh, protected. And since we're you know, almost 10 years, or I guess we are uh, at least nine years and getting uh, close to 10 years of being in this bull market, uh, if someone wanted to do that now, uh, they got to be very careful on, on how to uh, protect uh, their, their client's funds if they're a financial advisor or their own funds, but still have a potential uh, of earning the returns that, that are necessary. And, you know, as you and I both know, uh, even though in, uh, short-term interest rates are up, they're not up high enough to uh, give, give uh, people uh, the uh, income that's returned. Income. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm assuming that one and a half or two percent, you know, if you could get that on short-term money, that's not enough income 
for uh, for, most. Uh, for most clients. They, 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 they're expecting higher returns than right. that, right? Uh, and then, of course, it's the balance. How do we give them a higher return and the safety right, right. You know, that they're that, looking for? That's Especially right. Especially in this environment where we know the market uh, could have a correction, or is due for a, a correction. Right. Um, and maybe, maybe, even a, maybe even a fair market. And, and the other thing that clients don't realize, because people don't see this, is that um, even though interest rates are up, inflation is also up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have we have some charts that are connected to this podcast that you're able uh, to see, and uh, one of the charts is a plot of uh, three month Treasury bill rates since and the CPI since uh, 2013. And yes, uh, short term interest rates are up, but uh, inflation is up even more. Uh, you know, we didn't have any inflation in 2015. And now, with the latest prints, we're getting close to 3% inflation. So, so what are we today, uh, the 10th September? So, yes. September 10th? Uh, well, well, yeah, today is the 13th of oh. Uh, 14th of September. 14th I'm September. off. Okay, sorry yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah right, tax. I, yeah, I just signed right. my tax bill. So, or, or my checks for the taxes. So, um, But uh, I noticed today that uh, the 10-year Treasury hit 3%. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so you know, you, you can't just depend on bonds, especially long-term bonds that have high yields, because in, oh, uh, yeah. uh, the rising interest rates is uh, is hurting the principal value. Yes, you can get higher income, but then your your principal. Uh, so you got to hedge inflation. Down. Yeah, and, and in this environment, and, and, and your income. That's right. You got to do both inflation uh, and and the income. Fortunately, so, ETFs give us uh, nowadays that we we have ETFs can give us liquidity, income, and we can choose investments and low costs. They can have right. They can have inflation too. as well. So as as we were looking at solutions to this problem, we we went out into the uh, marketplace and looked at income oriented funds and and there are uh, mutual funds out there that that have done this and done them for a long time and um, you know when the when uh, stock market is uh, going up they they participate but obviously they're going to significantly underperform because it's focused on income but uh, uh, when the stock market has been flat or down then uh, usually these funds uh, do quite well uh, compared to to the equity market, and that they tend to protect the, uh, uh, the income part tends to protect the equity returns, and the uh, bond push of the strategy tends to uh, rise in prices because interest rates go down at least uh, over the And because the short investors term. get a little more conservative, the money flows uh, into these types of investments. That's right. Obviously, they all of a sudden people decide that. Uh, you know, maybe everything isn't straight up for the rest of their lives, but as we know, they say trees don't grow to the sky. Right, right. No, eventually, uh, you know, you're, you're, we're going to have a, at least a correction, maybe maybe a bear market. Well, one of the charts that's connected to the podcast uh, show how uh, high-income funds did in the uh, 2000 and then also the 2008 uh, bear markets, and uh, you know, they the relative returns when you um, over 12 month periods of time or sometimes as high as 25 percentage points higher than the, in the market. In essence, uh, even though the market was going down, uh, these funds were flat or maybe even uh, up up a little. So, you know, it's, it's, it's apparent that high dividend stocks can uh, provide uh, uh, protection in these uh, environments. At least they can uh, get some money 
while their uh, mark why their equities may be in the portfolio are down a little bit it's a little easier to hold on in the long term when you're getting some cash flow from uh, interest or dividends coming out of those uh, port out of your portfolio yeah yeah but the problem is of course that they're they're just not well diversified yeah um, and uh, it, they can be significantly overweighted in in high dividend stocks and high yield bonds which can be very Risky high dividends uh, often indicate uh, problems that companies have. They may have had a three percent dividend, but their stock has gone down so much that now that three percent dividend is a ten percent dividend. This is not a good thing. Right, right. And avoiding those pitfalls is is uh, is a uh, an art in and of itself. Well, and and because our name is I sectors, um, don't don't we also have to worry about concentration in in sectors? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. We've seen uh, it's really, really common to see income funds that are all in utility stocks, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, uh, or to see a bond income fund that's in high yield uh, uh, bonds, um, and, and depending on um, you know the purposes involved, that is not diversification. I mean, you, you know that. The risks are just too high to be in those categories alone. An allocation to those categories can be fine, but the diversification there is a problem. Well, yeah, and especially uh, people think they've diversified if they add high yield high yield bonds to their uh, high dividend stocks, but they actually have uh, pretty low correlations with the treasuries and uh, pretty and moderate correlations with the equities, and so uh, we have a. Uh, chart uh, that uh, that shows that in the, in uh, the podcast materials, and uh, you know, in essence, high yield bonds act more like like stocks. So, if you got a an income strategy that has, let's say, forty percent in high dividend uh, stocks and thirty five percent in uh, high yield bonds, then you really you, are diversified. You're not diversified. You're you're you you have an equity. Uh, a portfolio, and then uh, when the next market downturn comes, yeah, you might have some great yield, but your principal value uh, will, will suffer. Will, will, will suffer, and so um, you know, it's 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 the problem that junk bonds uh, uh, and stocks so together. So investors but, really need to be careful in selecting um, income funds to watch the actually the. To look inside uh, to determine, you know, what are the uh, investments in that fund. Just because it has a nice yield, does not mean it's necessarily a good investment. As a matter of fact, it could be the opposite. A good, a high yield can often indicate a uh, portfolio that's not so good. Um, and even so how it, do you get diversity? Well, yeah, but it, I, and, and and the other point is, even if you dig dig in and you see a pie chart and they show all sorts of different sectors. Right. Uh, in, in, uh, in there, that doesn't mean that you're actually fully diversified. No, no. it could be all different sectors of high yield bonds. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, or or bonds and stocks that are cor- highly correlated with each other. So, so um, when when uh, we looked at all this uh, and we started working on what would be the uh, optimal way to have an income portfolio uh, constructed, we we decided that we were going to uh, put certain certain parameters. Around the strategy that has become our endowment portfolio. First, we want to make sure that the portfolio had enough current yield 
to be able to receive significant income um, because people are taking out uh, the income. And if the market does uh, have a, a downturn, that income could cushion against uh, losses in the, uh, in the portfolio. Uh, we want to make sure that the holdings experience low to moderate correlations to each other and to uh, the indices so that we would have true diverse, diversification uh, in, in uh, down markets. And then, of course, we wanted to come up with portfolios that at least historically would have given us, uh, uh, given us alpha. And so, uh, you know, we, we made sure that there were uh, a large number of, uh, of sectors in, in, the, in the strategy. And so we um, uh, have uh, preferred stocks. We have uh, high-income infrastructure, senior loans, uh, business development corps that lend to lower the low middle market uh, companies and and so on uh, t- to be able to have a truly diversified amount of uh, portfolios. Yeah. Um, so we um, we need to kind of explain to clients. Um, you know, well, first of all, let's let's back up one thing. Business development companies. Now that's like saying mutual funds, right? It could be anything. These could be venture capital investments, or they could be, uh, you know, they they could be any kind of um, uh, venture type investments. But they can also uh, they can also be mezzanine type financing. Can you mm-hmm. kind of give us a explanation of what that means? Okay, yeah. I mean, it, business development corps often show up in in high income portfolios because they tend to have high yields of nine to ten percent. And the reason why they have high yields is that they're Lending the money privately to uh, these, uh, uh, like I say, low to middle market companies, but in addition to the interest payments that that they owe, there's often equity kickers, and so when the equity kickers come in, that increases the the return and thus the yield on these strategies. Uh, that they, they got they came about because uh, the regional banks started raising the minimum amount of size that they wanted to lend to uh, companies, and yet the, the small community banks or credit unions couldn't increase uh, the, the size. So there's this big hole of, uh, that of, of types of uh, businesses that are having a hard time getting, uh, getting capital, capital at all, at all. Um, certainly uh, uh, debt capital. And so the business development corp uh, market has uh, has developed. It's grown, and yet there's still tremendous um, demand for for capital in that part of the, of the market. So these companies really get to set the terms that is uh, uh, that that they need. So the banks created a niche. That's right. That's right. And you know, and that's and and and, you know, it's a great thing about our capitalism. Uh, You know, there'll be other people that will come in, and investors could could uh, benefit uh, uh, from. Do we have uh, income investments that can hedge against inflation? I'm kind of worried about, you know, what happens if uh, you've got an income portfolio and an inflation comes about. Yeah. Well, again, these business development corps, uh, because they have the equity kickers, could do so. We also have a senior um, uh, bank loan uh, portfolios because uh, the yield uh, is based on on a short term rate. So every quarter, uh, the the rate changes if adjusts if income 
uh, goes up. Uh, we also have uh, master limited partnerships that uh, have the assets underlying it being energy assets, and they're able to raise their rates. What do those guys do? What is, what is master limited partnership? What is their business? Yeah, uh, well, most master limited partnerships are the pipelines and distribution facilities of oil and gas from the well to the, the processor of uh, energy. So, you know, as you uh, go down the road and you see signs about a pipeline, um, going okay. there, that's so you see that's these what big the tanks on the side, you know, these and, massive uh, right, and they, and they might be holding spots for this distribution uh, uh, of of so, energy. So they make their money by leasing. Uh, yeah, they're really, they're, they're really a toll road. They're really a toll road. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, in that, uh, so they make money by the use. Yeah, uh, by the use. To, as as energy flows through their pipelines, they you know kajing kajing, just like. Uh, uh, for especially we, people living in the east, know uh, yeah, about uh, toll roads uh, or Illinois, uh, where, sure. where I lived a long time, um, and and the more flow that comes through, the better off uh, they are. And, and it's, a, it's a great business uh, uh, right now. I just talked to an MLP analyst uh, earlier this week, uh, and because the uh, you know there's a supply constraint, um, and it takes so long to build new pipelines that uh, they could. They could raise uh, as as the um, energy companies are shipping off all this new uh, energy from uh, doing the, 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 the fracking and the yeah the Dakotas or Marcellus in the West or or Permian in Texas. Uh, uh, there's just not enough uh, uh, su- supply uh, of pipeline, so they're able to to raise their are prices. Are they required so to pay out the income? And then yes, yes, they are required to pay pay out the vast, vast majority of the income. So you see eight, nine percent type yields nice. in, in mass limited partnerships. So, so yeah, even and in the environment strategy. I mean, it, it's a real asset. That's right. It, that's right. It it, it, it hedges pipelines uh, and tanks go up in value when inflation goes up. They mean they can uh, maintain. What uh, portion of our portfolio, the endowment portfolio? Uh, is in equities. Yeah. What, what well, and that's part of the, that's part in, of diversification. Is is that uh, we wanted it to not be uh, you know limited to one asset class, and so it's uh, al- it's almost half equities, a little more than half equities, and a little less than half uh, fixed income. Um, they have uh, a wide range of of uh, locations. Some are U.S., some are developed market, even emerging market uh, uh, holdings. And and even though there are some high yield uh, bonds, they're only fifteen percent of the uh, portfolio. How do we handle so that? I mean, you know, we just talked about high yield bonds having some issues. Uh, if interest rates are going up, um, you know, do we want to be in high yield bonds, or how do we be in high yield bonds in a rising interest rate market? What makes sense? Yeah. Well, what makes the most sense is to have a ladder of short term uh, high yield bonds. And so what we've done is we've created. Uh, there are there are securities called defined maturity exchange traded funds, uh, defined maturity ETFs, that, uh, as the name indicates, have actual uh, maturity dates where all the bonds are that are owned in these funds mature in a single year, such that on December thirty first of that year, the fund is extinguished and and the principal comes back to the investors. So we have a ladder of of uh, funds that end in December 31, 1919, uh, 19, I'm sorry, 2019, 2020, and 2021, um, okay. so that 
Um, unlike regular bond funds, which you've got to worry about uh, the principal value going down when interest rates go up, they're so short that uh, they're... Low they're, they're, yeah, they have low volatility. They're going towards par, and in the meantime, they have a, a very uh, attractive yields in the in the four to five uh, percent uh, area. And so, but if rates go up, do we participate? And then, and then the beautiful thing is that because you know that uh, you're going to then, let's say at the end of 19, uh, 2019, um, when the first fund matures. We're going to roll that over to a fund that matures in 2022, and rates will be higher, and then we'll be uh, getting higher income. So, so 20% of the portfolio comes due every year at par. Well, a third of the uh, yeah, a third of the of the uh, total uh, okay. because it's three years. Okay. it's just a third of the so whole, of the income. One third of the money, 33% of the dollars move out to uh, a longer term every uh, they come due and the cash is then reinvested that, at, 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 at higher rate, at higher rates so if rates go up in during a year we participate one third into the higher rates and um, and that continues right they, that's, they, that's they right yeah and, and, and it just continues uh, as long as uh, uh, as long as we, we wanted and to continue, a, but, but we didn't go out duration, too far. We, short duration portfolio. Th- up that's right. Front. We we could have gone out five seven years. Sure. I think the longest one is seven. Uh, but uh, then the volatility of the funds themselves end up being uh, too high, so and so isn't diversification good in those? I mean, how much you know? So you're talking about ETFs that are a portfolio of high yield bonds mm-hmm. that come due every single year, but. Uh, how many bonds do you think are in a portfolio? Well, it depends on, but it's probably five to uh, seven hundred of high yield bonds. Okay. And so again, if one so we name goes bad, hundred high yield bonds. Yeah, yeah, and a, uh, yeah, uh, it's different bonds. There may be some overlapping issuers, but it's it's uh, not likely that if anyone an issuer had a problem, that uh, you would even notice, be able to notice. Out of fifteen hundred, uh, if you lose one, it's not going to matter. Not going to matter. It's not going to matter, and that's and that's that's the beauty of using these defined. And when they're that short term duration, if you got one to three durations, what probably one and a half. Yeah, or right. Somewhere. Yeah, because one and a half. So that's not going to. When interest rates move up, they're going to hardly be affected. Anyway, the interest rate factor isn't right. really going to affect, and the diversification helps us for any defaults and stuff like that. Correct. Uh, besides that, you got a pretty good vision of of the ability for a company to make its payments. It's uh, if you're only looking three years. Right. A little different if you got to look out twenty years. Yeah. Or you got to look out ten years to buy their bonds. If you yeah. got to look out three years. You know the visibility is pretty good. Yeah. I mean, no. There. There are. Helps. There are no. Uh, well, it's now ninety-seven years, but the original hundred-year Argentina. Bonds. Uh, none of that is is, no, is in this portfolio. Uh, so, so you don't uh, you don't have to worry about it. And so, when, so when we put this all together, the current yield of portfolio is about five and a quarter percent, which uh, meets most well, people's uh, needs as far as uh, the income uh, is concerned. Um, and uh, we, you know, we expect this to um, have a relatively uh, low volatility. Uh, and um, in fact, uh, less than half of volatility of the stock market. So, uh, with with positive alpha, you know, outperformance, and you know, we think uh, that's going 
to be something, in fact, we already know that's going to uh, be something that both advisors and individual investors so are interested in. So what are I-sectors fees for this, for, for this endowment allocation portfolio? Uh, um, our, our, our fees are, are 30 basis points oh, 30 basis points. Um, uh, so annually. So this is going to still so leave the investor a net 5%. Yeah. Yeah, I mean net of the I sectors fees. Yeah, the I sector fees is, is it's almost inconsequential in this yeah. in this oh, yeah. uh, situation. Yeah. And and when we quote five five and a quarter percent, that's after the fees for the mutual fund. So that's okay, so after the uh, ad, uh, uh, admin fees within the ETF. Yeah, you're, right. You're still you, you're still getting the five so five and a quarter percent. That's good. That, 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 that's uh, that's really good. See, so our portfolio you said does have some uh, global and emerging market. Mm -hmm. Um, more or less a global portfolio. How do we, how do we look? So we're 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 you know we're fifty five forty five uh, U.S. versus um, or or stocks versus no, bonds. No, stocks versus bonds, right? Mm -hmm. And um, how does that compare to an index like the MSCI All Country Index versus maybe a City World Government Bond Index that's blended similarly? You know, um, is that is, is that a good index? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we expect that the beta is going to be pretty close to one uh, of of that kind of of an What's index. the correlation? So, so uh, the, but the correlation is going to be uh, uh, much lower again because we're owning securities that are not, for uh, for a large part, not even in uh, these indices. Uh, these senior loans, these BDCs, uh, master limited partnerships are not even uh, in these uh, indices, and. Uh, and for the most part, each individual security has uh, at most a moderate correlation. Uh, you know, let's let's say uh, some are as high as 0.5 or 0.6, but most of them uh, have a you know lower than 0.3 to the uh, uh, okay. equity uh, index. So even though we've so, got a combined uh, global equity, a global bond portfolio, if the market goes down, it's only the 55 percent equity. Uh, side that we're you know really uh, concerned about going down the, the stock part going down yeah and, and that stock part in our portfolio is designed not to highly correlate that's ex that's exactly with the stock market and if the stock market does go down usually uh, bond prices go up so right. the bond side acts as a as a balance and, and so and a low correlation yeah okay and yeah. so that, that, so that's that's why we think that advisors and investors are going to be inter uh, interested in this. Because uh, you can get the current income that's necessary. Uh, our 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 you know big concern is to protect principal by having as mm -hmm. great a diversification uh, as as we can. But still, over time, as uh, stocks uh, go up, um, the the principal should be able to keep up with inflation. Mm -hmm. Certainly, the three percent type inflation that uh, you know we expect we're going to see over mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. over the. The, the next ten or years, or the near future. Yeah, so so I I, I think we could um, wrap this up here. Uh, you have, unless you have any no, other comments no, you want to make, good, uh, Vern. Good comments. Jeff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I think this has been well a great designed. discussion well and and, portfolio. and hopefully uh, hopefully uh, our listeners will find it uh, interesting. Um, if if anyone has questions for us, please uh, don't hesitate to leave us a comment on our website. We also have a chat portion of the website. Uh, at the bottom right-hand side, and, and please uh, feel free to talk to us uh, there. And then, of course, we're on a number of podcast uh, uh, channels. Jordan can talk about uh, that. So, um, but so we haven't, we haven't seen uh, 
a lot of solutions. I mean, when our clients uh, come in, my clients come in, and want these solutions, it, it's difficult. I don't see any really good investment options out there to to uh, to offer them if if this is the goal. And um, so, you know, the uh, the the design of this portfolio, I think, is somewhat unique and is really uh, one of the very, I think, few um, uh, good choices for investors looking for income, whether that's an institution, an endowment, foundation, uh, you know, private schools, uh, endowment, a trust, marital trust, or charitable remainder trust. There's a need, and um, so hopefully we've uh, been able to meet that need, and advisors now have a good, a good um, option to turn to that we'd be happy to discuss with any advisor who's, um, you know, has, has got a mandate for uh, income for his uh, client's portfolio and wants to discuss how to accomplish that mandate. Um, we've got some, uh, we're, we, you know, I think we developed a good solution and we'd be happy to work with those advisors, I think, to uh, help them uh, communicate these, all, all of these things to their clients, mm -hmm. which can maybe be difficult. And, uh, and uh, I, I think it's a niche in the market that uh, advisors have typically found I have uh, a difficult time uh, finding a solution for. So Right, right. So remember, it's, it's, it's called the iSectors Endowment Allocation. Uh, go on www.isectors.com, and there's an allocation models area uh, listed at the main menu on top of the website. Click on that. Click on iSectors Endowment uh, Allocation. And you could get uh, uh, information. You could also uh, call us at 1 800 uh, I sectors and, and uh, talk to one of uh, our associates uh, there. Uh, Scott Jones at scott.jones at isectors.com can also uh, help, help you out. I would like to thank Vern and Chuck for joining us today, and thank you all for listening. We appreciate your input on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And soon, you'll be able to find us on SoundCloud. Thank you again for listening to the iSector Selections podcast.